Even though it's Father's Day, we have a number of things for everybody uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit more about trusting uh, God today. But you know, a small boy's definition, a a small boy was asked his definition of Father's Day, and he said, it's just like Mother's Day, only don't spend so much. (laughs) You know, sometimes fatherhood can be really pretty overwhelming. There were four dads in the hospital and all waiting on babies to arrive and the nurse came out and and told one said hey congratulations you're the father of twins he said that's odd he said I work for the Minnesota twins so in a few more minutes the nurse came out to the second guy said congratulations you're you're the father of triplets she said that's weird answer that's weird I work for the 3M company So another nurse comes out, and she grabs the third father and says to him, you're the father of quadruplets. He said, that's strange. I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. And so the fourth father was seen beating his head against the wall. (laughs) And in an obvious panic, and the nurse said, what's wrong? He says, I work for 7-Up. You know, sometimes today children, children want to be paid to do the right, right thing. It's a real challenge to dads. They want to actually be paid to do the right thing. Hannah came up to me one time. She said, for $20, I'll be good. <laughs> I told her, when I was your age, I was good for nothing. <laughs> so. And sometimes our kids, you know this, dads, moms, you know this, that sometimes our kids can be too clever even for their own good. Actually, this letter came from a college student to... Uh, to dad, I've got this on the screen for you. Uh, school is great. I'm making lots of friends and studying hard. Uh, I simply can't make, think of anything I need, so just send me a card as I would love to hear from you. Love your son. So dad wrote back and said, Dear son, I know <laughs> astronomy, economics, and oceanography are enough to keep even an honor student busy. Do not forget that the pursuit of knowledge is a noble task, and you can never study enough. (laughs) Love your dad. (laughs) Dads don't always get the respect that they they really should have. You know, while having their evening dinner together, one time a little girl looked up at father and said, Daddy, you're the boss in our family, right? And father was very pleased to hear it and confidently replied, Yes, yes. My little princess, I am the boss. And then the little girl continued, and she said, that's because mommy puts you in charge, right? <laughs> but they don't, ask, they don't hesitate to ask help when they, when they need it. You know, a little boy came up to his dad and, and meekly said, Daddy, Daddy, can I have another glass of water, please? And the dad replied, but I've given you ten glasses of water already, son. And the little boy then said, I know, Dad, but the bedroom is still on fire. But I love it that kids like to brag on their, on their dads, too. You know, if you've ever caught them bragging on your dad, you know, this is a typical picture. First friend, what does your father do for a living? Second friend said, he's a magician. He performs tricks like sawing people in half. So the first friend said, do you have any brothers and sisters? He said, yeah, four half-sisters and a half-brother. <laughs> Funny. Oh, three girls were talking about their fathers uh, in the play yard. I think one of them was Jordan, my daughter. And one of the girls said, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, 
and he calls it a poem, and they give him $50. And the second girl said, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song, and they give him $100. And Jordan spoke up and said, I've got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. How many of you remember Lucille Ball? Lucille Ball was, shortly before her death, did a remarkable uh, TV interview with uh, Merv Griffin, and he asked her a very serious and pointed question. said, Lucille, you've lived a long time on this earth, and you're a wise person. What's happened to our country? What's wrong with our children? Why are our families falling apart? What's missing? And Lucille Ball answered without hesitation and said, Papa's missing. Things are falling apart because Papa's gone. If Papa were here, he would fix it. There's some things about Papa, just his position in life, uh, in, in our world at large, that God has actually given him and assigned him that, that cries for our support and cries for our, our prayers. Even if we don't think our Father necessarily is worthy, you know, God has placed uh, on fatherhood an honor. And so to honor Father, we have to find a way to honor uh, Father. To honor Father God, we have to find a way uh, to honor Father. Over in the scripture, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough for those uh, cares enough to respond for those who seek him. Hebrews 11.2 says the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. I bring those verses up because they, they tell us, uh, they, they reveal to us, they speak into our lives again concerning the place that fathers have had in our history as part of our elders of faith. And if there are two legacies, I think that, that we as fathers could leave, leave our children and our grandchildren, it would have to be these two. Number one, it would be a good example of who God really is and what God is, is really like. And the second example, uh, would, legacy, would be that he is, uh, how responsive he is uh, to the needs of his own children and beyond, and beyond that. And so again, I think that's what Hebrews 6 is telling us, to trust God to honor God as Father, we must believe He is who He is. He is who He says He is. And God is good, and God is always good. Can I have a good amen? amen? And secondly, He is always generous, and He is always responsive to um, whatever we're up against. It doesn't, you know, my dad had his own issues, but when I went to dad and asked for help, you know, almost every time he would lay something else aside and set it aside to speak into my life or to give me some advice or to try to help me with what was going on in, in my life. I want us to look at a few verses of James in from James chapter 1, actually verses 5 through 7. They give us some really good insight, a couple of really strong lessons actually from James in chapter 1 in particular. And the first one is just about God the Father and His generosity, verses 5 through 7. 
Let me read them to you, and then we'll talk about them a little bit. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then verse 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And so again, they're just, it's laid out for us. We can learn some things about Father God and about, again, His generosity. And again, dads, it's a great, great example of how God wants to live His life in us and through us, even to our, our own kids. And the first thing I want you to note is that there's a lot here about how God gives, about the type of giving that He does. Now, He does that because He's incredibly generous God by nature is a lover. God by nature is a giver. And we know that love always finds a way to give. I was really pleased to, uh, that we could help families that were being, uh, you know, moved out of their homes or, you know, under threat as a church, church family, as Cindy already mentioned. You know, God has taught us to be generous at Believer Center. And even when the church has suffered over the years and it's had little periods and seasons where we've suffered financially, we determined to give our way out of that because God is always generous. So we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't make excuse. We would just give more and God would bless that. And God the Father is just like that. And I hope you understand that today, that God doesn't give in response to your love. He's just love. And God is always giving 24-7 in our time. He is always giving. He can't find a reason to stop giving because he can't find a reason to stop, stop loving us. And so the Bible teaches us the first thing about God's love is that, and God's generosity and who the Father is is that he gives continually. Everybody say continually. The actual, um, the actual participle used here in the Greek language that's translated uh, continually means just that. It means that he gives all of the time. Again, never for one moment does God cease to give. He gives continually because it's his nature to give. The second way that God gives is to all men. Say that out loud with me, to all men. God doesn't give uh, as a respecter of persons. The Bible says he is no respecter of persons. God doesn't play favorites. I know some of us in the room think that you're God's favorite, but we're not, there, God doesn't play favorites that way. If God's got my picture in his billfold or in his wallet, and he probably does, he probably has all of yours too. Because God is no respecter of persons. And somebody's going to say, I don't feel that love. I don't feel like God loves me. You're going to have to get above your feelings and let us help you do that. Because your feelings will always and emotions will almost always lead you astray. And lead you to further breakdown because your emotions weren't meant to lead you in life. God's given you some, something more, something better. And uh, you just got to know because the Bible teaches it. Even on days where you feel like God's you know, holding you back or, you know, not embracing you or feels nothing towards you, that those are all lies, just the devil trying to get into your head. Someone's lying to you. Someone's making something up because the Bible is, is right again in all of this. God is love. He never stops loving. He is no respecter of pers persons. His love is unconditional, absolutely unconditional. I got a text yesterday uh, from someone who's very dear to me, and she was talking about, 
you know, some of the Christians' reaction towards what happened in Orlando, Florida, how that God had done that, God had taken all those lives, that God was judging the homosexual lifestyle by, by killing all these people, and he was in control of the whole thing, and she was wondering was that true or not, and she already knew the answer uh, to that question. God has a better way of getting your attention. His name is Jesus. And that's not oversimplifying it. His name is Jesus Christ. And by the way, if God's going to judge those people because of their homosexuality with death, what's he going to do with yours? Because yours is no, it's no less severe. I'm not, I'm not supporting the homosexual lifestyle. There's some things that will never be right, and that's one of them. doesn't matter how much press it gets. doesn't matter how people talk it up. doesn't matter how how many people try to make it sound good and right and okay. It's not okay. But God is the judge. You and I aren't. And he'll take care of it in time. What he's desperately trying to do is help people before time runs out. And church, if we'll let him, he'll love them through us. He'll actually love them through us and others through us. And he'll get an opportunity to connect with them, forgive sin, change a way of life, and, uh, and things can be the way God intended for, for them to be. Amen. And so I was talking with this person, just a quick text, and, and, and just said, you know, our, our love, our idea of love is still very juvenile. And I'm talking to Christians today, and our love tends to still be pretty, pretty childish. Not childlike, but childish. And, and, and so we think God will love this person, uh, but God will not love this person. Because this person did good and this person did bad. The Bible says clearly all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do we do with that? God hates sinful ways. doesn't matter how they show up in our life. But God is deeply in love with people. And he wants us to learn how to love them the way that he loves them. Amen? People believe that love is the answer, and it is true, but it's not human love that's the answer. It's the God kind of love that is the answer, and God's counting on us to give it, and God continues to give it. He is no respecter of persons. Amen? The third way that God gives is the Bible says liberally. Say that out loud, liberally. Again, in the Greek, adverb there means abundantly. It means generously. It means bountifully. God is a God of abundance. You know, he... He, he, I just think about the feeding of the multitudes. That's one, just one simple example of how extravagant God is, the Father, in his, in his giving. You know, he didn't just meet the needs of the people. They were all full, and then they still took up 12 baskets full of fragments. You know, when Jesus turned the water into, into the wine, that was a miracle of, of extravagance. It didn't just meet a need. It went over and above and beyond the need. We know what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says God does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. How many of you are ready for some exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think days in our life? We'll count on God's love for that. God's not wasteful. But God is so generous and so kind and so liberal in, in his giving. You know, my kids, I, I know, I, I fall for this. You probably fell for this as a dad. If you have kids, especially if you're a dad and you have daughters. You know, when they say, I love you, with those puffy little lips, you just want to say, okay, what island do you want me to buy you? I mean, you just, you just melt, your heart melts. Now, you don't do all that, but you know what I'm talking about. You just, you just want, want, want. 
to do more and more and more uh, with, with uh, their asking and with their little requests, if you can do it. Because it's a father's heart to do not just what needs to be done. Dads need to be responsible. But it's a father's heart to really want to be liberal in, in his giving. The next thing we find out from these verses is that God gives without double motives. Without double motives. And what does that mean? It means that God is, is giving without reservation, without secret, without restraint, and without judgmental thoughts toward us. God's giving is pure in motive. Again, that doesn't mean God gives us everything we want or ask for. God's not going to hurt us with his giving. But when God gives and when God decides to give, he just opens his heart to do it. He doesn't have, there are no strings attached to the God kind of love. Many of us call what we do loving and many of us call what we're giving, but if we have strings attached to it, it's not really giving, it's investing. Come on, help me with this. It's investing. You're, you say you're giving into someone's life, but there are strings attached and you're going to want a return. And if you don't get the return you want, you're going to be hurt over it. You're going to be disappointed over it. That's not giving. That's investing. All right. When we give something, we release something. We let it go. We turn loose of it. Praise God. And that's a number of reasons. I'm just, just in passing, that's uh, one of the reasons that so many Christian people who enter into what they think is giving, all right, but don't receive in return from what they think is their giving, they're frustrated. And the truth of the matter is they never gave to begin with. They never just gave and put it all in God's hands. The Bible says, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. All right? And, and that's God moving through men. God is the one giving back, and he's just using those who will say, God, use me. Praise the Lord. All right? So just know that God always does, he gives, and when he gives, there are no strings attached. And the other thing here we see is that God gives without reproaching us. God gives without reproaching us. He does not upbraid us, scold us, remind us of past failure or ingratitude. I've never come to God with a need and heard God say, well, you know what? I answered your prayer last time. This time I'm not going to do it. Because when I answered your prayer last time, you really messed up. Now, I've had my, my earthly father do that, and I've had other people do that, but I've never had my father God do that. My father might correct me, my father might admonish me, my heavenly father, and he might really speak some things into my life concerning you know, what I've done or not done, but God doesn't hold things, watch this, listen to me, God doesn't hold things against us and then reproach us for our failures. God is able to get past that and just continue to pour into our life. You know, there's a, there's a mindset in, in the body of Christ today that God, you know, the way God calls men to repent, repentance is to, to make their uh, businesses fail or to make them sick or to make their lives worse. Well, you know, God's doing this to put people flat on their back so they'll repent. Again, the Bible speaks, if we're listening, and the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I spoke to a, a, he was at the time a youth minister on a, a, a college campus in uh, Oklahoma. This is some years ago. And um, a friend of, and I were invited to speak and we were teaching that night and prayed for hundreds of students that, that night before the evening was over. 
And then before we left the building, that, that man asked us if he could meet with us early the next morning. And we said, of course, and we sat down. And he began to uh, correct us. He began to warn us of what he thought was error in our preaching and our teaching. And where, where he thought we were in error was concerning what we would call a blessing. And he said, you know, sometimes sickness can be a blessing. Now, this is what he said. You might believe that. Sometimes sickness can be a blessing. Sometimes losing your job can be a blessing. Sometimes your house burning down can be a blessing from God. Because God is trying to teach you something. God's trying to get into your life. You won't listen any other way. And so God's trying to do this uh, and, and, get, and get your attention. And so he went on and on and on. And quite frankly, his argument was really convincing unless you know what the Bible has to say about what blessing is. And what it's not. And all I had him, after he was finished, you know, he asked, you know, for a response. And I said, I just encourage you to go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. And there, uh, there's a, a, a column of blessing and there's a column of cursing. And you won't find sickness and disease ever in the column called blessing. And you won't find these other things you listed in the blessing group. You know, that's too simple for some people. But here's the difference. Let God's word speak into your life instead of philosophies that sound like a God has something to do with them. Theosophies are not the same as what the scripture has to say. Besides that, let me just use sickness and then we'll move on to pray for dads this morning. But let me just use this. If sickness is so great, why are you going to the doctor trying to get well? I'm sorry, I'm just that simple. What are you doing? Why are you spending tons of money trying to get well when you, you believe that God wants you sick. If God's trying to teach you something, isn't it better that you learn that lesson instead of get well? I don't know about you. The first thing that I do or, or did when my kids were sick is dad, was, when they got sick, is my hands reached toward them to hold them. I wanted to put my hands on them to pray for them. I went and got a cold rag if they had fever to put on their forehead. I would have done anything to take that sickness on me. Guess what? Jesus took sickness and disease on him. By his stripes, we are healed. And I know everybody doesn't believe that. But again, I'm just going to stick with what I know from the Scripture. And I just know that God wants you whole and he wants you well and he wants you to enjoy life uh, the way that he intended for you to live it. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in, in great abundance. One translation says, and I want you to enjoy, enjoy it. Does that mean everybody we pray for is going to get well? Well, I don't think so, but it's not going to stop us from praying for people to get well. Because the scripture didn't change. You know, I trust God. You trust God and should. To help you with all things in life, including your, finan your financial situation. You know what? Even if the economy tanks, Philippians 4.19 doesn't change. If you're invested in the stock market, you've had some pretty hairy moments over the past several years. You know, you've watched money come and money go in your accounts. Uh, some real ups and downs. But guess what? In all that, Philippians 4.19 stayed the same. But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches that are in glory by Christ Jesus. That's where we want 
our faith to be in a Father God who is a giver. And he's one who gives all the time. He's one that gives liberally. He's one that gives continually. He's one that gives without reproach. He's one that just gives and gives and gives. And that's a tremendous example to all of us uh, who are dads today. Again, our, our giving into the lives of our children is not without discretion. All right? But we, we must have a heart that's generous in order to follow, be the father that God the Father really intends for us to be. Does that make sense to you at all? To be like our Heavenly Father and to leave that legacy. We want to be like Him in every way and we want to be a, a generous in every way that He's generous. Again, let me make clear, that's not giving without discretion, all right? but it's a, always a heart to give. There are things my children asked for when they, uh, when they were growing up and I couldn't give them. Um, and, uh, because of what, the nature of what they asked for. You know, if you have a child and a child loves your car, you're not going to let your child drive your car at 10. <laughs> or maybe I should say you shouldn't. But you're not going to do that. And they may think you don't love them if you say no, but you do love them by saying no to a request like that. But, but you still want to give into their lives. So you find another way to give into their lives. Can I have a good amen for that? And so I just say all that to say today, dads in particular, listen to this, that again, the two best legacies that you can lead your, your kiddos, still, it's not too late, is to be like Father. Ephesians 6 tells us to imitate God ourselves, to imitate Him as dear children. And then the second thing is to be as generous as He is with your your life. I think the thing that hurt me has hurt me most over the years is when my children had something in their heart they really wanted to talk to me about, couldn't talk to me about, didn't want to talk to me about. It just didn't come to me. And that concerned me as much or more than, than anything is that they wouldn't come or didn't feel comfortable to come. And I think dads can do something about that to make certain that even when we're not going to agree that we can have that kind of relationship with our sons and with, with our daughters. Amen to that.